Well, good morning, Community Church. Are we ready to worship our Lord, our King? We're getting there. We're seeing some good fellowship. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Let's get our hearts ready to go into worship with our King. Can we just do something? Can we just lift up our hands right now to the King? Can we close our eyes and just give him our full attention right now? Right? Let's just give it to him right now. Let's make that shift. So, Father God, as we make that shift right now, we turn our attention from everything else and we give our attention fully to you, undivided. Our hearts are here to honor you, to worship you, to declare you as king. We love you. We choose to honor you today. So let's worship the king. Come on, let's just tell them. Just just tell them. Let's just let the sound of our faith resonate in the air. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Father, we speak to the province of Alberta, and we say, arise in this hour. Father, let the deposit of faith that is in this region, in this land. God, let the promises of every previous generation begin to break forth on the earth. Alberta, rise. Alberta, let the voice of your cry Let the sound of your faith echo across the land. I believe that we are entering into a time. (laughs) I honestly, I I just see seeds scattered down through history breaking open breaking open and the shoots of life the stems the green and white fledgling manifestations of life coming out of those seeds and we here our faith is the incubator for the promises of God so father we say let this place be a greenhouse. Let it be huh, a place where faith, <laughs> the atmosphere of heaven permeates the ground. Jesus. Can you say amen? Let me ask you a question. Do you have a shout in you this morning? Don't do it yet. Do you have one? If you got one, let me see your hand. Come on, Kelsey. (laughs) Do you know that the sound of your faith, come on, do you know that it's the sound of your faith that causes heaven on earth to be manifested? It's not the secret hidden will of God reserved in the heavens. It is the sound of faith on the earth that causes what is in heaven to be realized on earth. Jesus is sat down. He is waiting 
for a people to begin to believe. And so in just a second, I want us to release a shout of faith, a shout of the inevitability of his kingdom, the fullness of his dominion, the fullness of his reign on earth as it is. That means with the same intensity, with the same reality, with the same significance that it is in heaven, let it be on earth. This is the reasonable expectation of our faith. I'm going to count to three, and we're going to shout. We're going to shout for the broken. We're going to shout for the oppressed. We're going to be a shout for the blind. We're going to shout for the hurting. We're going to shout for the hopeless. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. In just a minute, <laughs> I'm going to share a word. I got up this morning, and the spirit of revelation came on me, and God began to give me so much clarity. But these words, these words from Jesus, and I'll share them in a minute, but I just want to give you a little taste. Listen, these words of Jesus as he wept over Jerusalem, as he wept, wept over Jerusalem, and he said, if only you had recognized the time of your visitation. He said, listen, if only you had known the things that made for peace. Let me tell you, we're not going to be like Jerusalem. We're not going to be ignorant of the things that make for peace. Because we are in an era of the fulfillment of every promise. Come on. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want peace just to overtake me. I want to be the source and the cause of peace. So, Father, we pray today for a spirit of revelation. God, to fill this room, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So I've got a word today. Uh, the, the title of this message is The Kingdom Supply Chain. The Kingdom Supply Chain. Hallelujah. You know, this, the, all these songs and the atmosphere of faith is actually speaking about the kingdom supply. It's your breath in my lungs. It's your breath. You are the sustainer of life. You open your hand and satisfy the need of every living thing. This is, this is the reality. There is a divine supply line that results in conditions, in atmospheres, in certain realities that we get to enjoy, and they don't happen without a cause, without a system. Are you, are you with me? Yeah. I, uh, there was a commercial a few years ago, and I, I, should hear, I preached on this before. So if you're thinking, oh, this is that same message, well, it isn't. But I'm going to borrow from it. Right? It was that commercial, I think it was NMAX or I don't know, one of these companies that said energy doesn't just come from a hole in the wall. Right? And the whole commercial was, was that energy comes from somewhere. And you might have that simplistic thought, you might be a child, you might not realize that that is not a magic plug in the wall. 
that you just, you know, you put your Game Boy in and you plug your hair dryer, whatever, and wow, we don't know how this works, but every time I stick something in there, something happens. It's not because uh, that is a magical source of power. It's because it's connected to a system. Listen, everything that God does, everything related to the kingdom of God happens because of a sequence of events, of events that some people understand and other people just observe. But God is saying, I want more of you to move up the line to understand the kingdom supply. I want you to, because you cannot participate, truly participate in bringing that supply unless you engage somewhere along the line of supply. And here's the thing. Some of you might be on the very end. You might be the ones serving, you know, uh, providing that final stage of that product. But you realize that you are only one person in a long chain. Now, it's interesting I was getting all this revelation, and then I went up and brought Wendy my, her coffee for the morning and pl- fluffed her pillows and, and you know, made sure everything was okay. Yeah. I, I did do that, except for the fluffing the pillows. But anyway, she happened to be on Facebook, and the post she was looking at was talking about the striking of, of, a, of a stone or a rock with a hammer. And the whole thing was this. It said, it said you know, the final sh- there's a final strike that breaks the, s- the rock. But it doesn't mean that that's the one that's responsible for the breaking of the rock. And it doesn't mean that the ones previous where the rock did not break were insignificant. Right? There's always the, the straw that breaks the, the camel's back. But every straw is significant in that outcome. And so there is a divine supply line where God causes things to happen via a process. If we don't understand that process, we ignorantly stand at the end of the line hoping for things that will not come if the supply chain is broken. That's how it works, yeah. So Psalm 145 talks about God supplying every, everything that we need for life. Everything, the, the need of every living thing is provided as God opens his hand. So, the other scripture I want to, we're still not working, eh? Okay, put this scripture up. James chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. It's a great verse, but it, uh, it means more than we think it means. It says, do not be deceived, my brethren, my beloved brethren. Don't you love that? I mean, how many times, have you gone through the scripture? Have you seen how many times the apostles wrote to the Christians and said, do not be deceived? Why do you think he would say, do not be deceived? Why, why do you think they would say it as often as it's being said in James? It's probably three or four times just in James alone. Do you think maybe there's a chance that believers have been deceived? Might be possible. Might be possible. Yeah, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect, uh, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now he's speaking specifically of the formation of you as a child of God. He's saying, listen, this happened not because you understood it, not because you wanted it, not because you were so great. This happened because of him. 
He, he is owed the debt of honor, recognition, and gratitude because every good and perfect gift comes from above. Now, here, here's our problem. We, we overestimate the quality of our participation. We overestimate the significance of the role that we play. We are like that person who is, you know, down at a Ford factory somewhere in, the, in Michigan who happens to be putting on the very last part of the car in the assembly line. The very last part. You know, what might that be? The mirror? I, I don't know. Whatever that last thing is. But imagine that person standing at the end of that assembly line with that fully completed vehicle, sparkly and new, functional in every way. They put on the mirror and they stand as these cars are exiting that supply line. They say, I did that. Right. I made that. I, 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 was, I was the chief cause of these things. Well, nobody would do that because we understand... <laughs> supply chain right we understand that what you did was a sliver of a sliver of a sliver of a sliver and I mean if you think about that complex uh, system that's involved in bringing I mean I'm not even going to go into that I am going to give you I'm going to look at a supply chain concept but I don't want to do cars because you know, the thousands of parts manufactured from all over the world, assembled, shipped, tested, prepared, you know, the, the raw materials that are made for each of those parts, you know, rubber, uh, metal, aluminum, plastic, like hundreds of different elements fabricated all around the world then brought together. I mean, gee, that's too complex of a supply line. But supply line is important. Why are we talking about this? What does this have to do? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm in church, I'm hoping you tell me something important, something applicable for my day. <laughs> what are we talking about supply chains for? I don't build cars. Because the, the essence of faith, the essence of faith is the ability to extrapolate between supply and source. It's, it's the ability to look beyond the end goal, the, the, the final phase, and go back to the very beginning. Faith is not faith unless it honors the actual source of the thing that's being supplied. And the key to that supply is having the ability to look back and down that supply chain to see where everything began. And I want to declare to you today, to Canada, to Alberta, to us as Christians, every perfect gift comes from above. Everything we have comes from above. Anything good, anything worthy, anything honorable, it comes from him. And the, the trick to keep the supply flowing is honoring the chain, beginning with its source. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, God, I just, I just pray. You know, it's interesting because uh, I've already said the whole thing. Everything I'm going to say this morning, it's already out there. I can feel it. It's in the atmosphere. And some of us are going to grab the words that are coming out of my mouth. Some of us are going to remember one part of an illustration. And, you know, three weeks from now, it's going to be foggy. And I, I remember he talked about supply chain or something. I can't remember what it's about, but something about a hole in a wall. But there's a spirit of revelation that can cause us to hold on to the connection between this and that. Now, a few years ago, 
I think it was a few years ago, I spoke on Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 11. How many of you remember me speaking on that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's this great passage, and I want to refer, refer to it again, because the things that we are trying to communicate, to trying to come to understand, they're usually made up of other parts. And these two parts are significant. This one in James, but you've got to go back to Isaiah 58 if we're really going to understand this. This is what, this is what Isaiah 58 says. Oh, sorry, 55.8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, for years and years, that was, a, that was you know, when you get around prophetic circles, charismatic circles, Pentecostal circles a few years ago, uh, people would prophesy, and this is one of those things, they would prophesy all the time, my ways are not your, my ways are higher, and you know, it brought this general sense that, oh God, you're up there and you're great. But I remember reading this one time, and it's like one of those moments where God is saying, what do you think I'm saying here? And I'm looking. And of course, you, we tend to isolate scripture. I, I, I would only read the first part. You know, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Oh yeah, that's right. I want your thoughts, Lord. But then he begins to explain the way in which his ways are not our ways, which I totally missed because it didn't make sense. Do you want to know what it says? <laughs> you guys are so great. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but the water but water the earth and make it bring forth bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth it shall not re, uh, return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent. That doesn't seem to have any connection to the first part. But he's actually saying listen if you were doing this, you wouldn't do this this way. You would, if you were trying to bring a supply, you would bring that thing. You would, if you needed a ball, you would give somebody a ball. I don't give them a ball. I give them the ability to know what thread is. I give them the ability to cure leather. I give them an idea about the symmetry of what's required in a ball and how to bring it together. That's how I work. And why does he do that? so as to obscure the source of supply for the proud, so that the proud cannot discern where everything comes from. That's why God does that, to hide it, to hide the source of blessing, the source of life, so that the proud can grope in the darkness and never find life. Because it just, it takes faith to go from here to here, here to here, here to here. The secrets of the Lord are hidden except to those who fear him. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing and the glory of kings to find it out. It's part of the mystery of God. So what is this? It's a supply chain. God said, listen, my ways are not your ways. You want products. At the end of the day, I want supply chains. So... Let's go into this a little bit. I, I was thinking of this illustration, a simple supply chain. Now, Father, I pray today, God, that you would break uh, pride in Alberta. You would break unbelief in this land, that you would raise up a people of faith 
God, in Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to try and bring an application today because we have a problem in our land. We have, we have a lack of wisdom. We have a lack of understanding. We don't know how things work. And because we don't know how things work, we, 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 uh, we come up with superficial solutions to the problems. Okay, superficial solutions. Let me give you an example. There was a movie a few years ago called Forrest Gump. Never in my life did I ever think we would have somebody named Forrest come to our church, but here we are. We actually have a guy named Forrest. He's not here today. He's sick at home, but we have a guy named Forrest. Anyway, that's not my point, but I thought that was interesting. (laughs) But in the movie, right, I mean, you know the the larger plot, but there's this one scene in the movie where these hippies from the 60s are protesting the Vietnam War, okay? They're protesting the Vietnam War, and they're there advocating for peace, right? They're, they're there. They're, hey, we don't need this war. Just the other day, I was looking through Facebook, and there was this cartoon. was that Calvin and Hobbes cartoon? And I just shake my head at the stupidity of some things. Honestly, it, it, it's disheartening. But the Calvin and Hobbes figure, and I don't, I'm not against the cartoon, it's cute, whatever, but he comes up to his dad, he says, Dad, you know, when men went to war against one another, what did they accomplish? And, and you know, and it's poking, it's poking at the idea of war, saying, well, war is not necessary. War is not necessary. It's nonsensical. We should just have peace. And that's the ignorance of mankind to always want a product at the end of the day but not know how to get that product yeah of course we want peace we want love not war well great yeah me too but the question is you don't understand how war occurs you don't understand where peace comes from we all want peace. We all want love. But walking around with your long hair and your little bandanas and your tie-dyed shirts going, peace is not going to get it. Why? Because peace is a divine commodity that's rooted in a God of peace. And so the question, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is a condition that's more, much more complex than, the, than, than people not feuding. And if you want peace... You have to get the commodity. So being ignorant of these things and presuming to be superior to everyone else, all these people who thought, I, I obviously value peace and love more than you because I'm saying peace, love, not war. It's just, it's so stupid, honestly. It's absolutely so stupid. <laughs> we think, well, that's a little rude. no. It's just the truth. It's a, you know what? Don't give me this. If you're online, you're watching this, you're offended by, by me, I would say don't come to church here. I'm saying these things the same reason Jesus, Jesus turned to the religious people, the ones who are spouting all the right rhetoric, and said you, are, you represent the opposite of the thing that you are trying to talk about. You are, you are the very opposite of everything you are represented. You, you are not life-giving. You are full of dead men's bones. You are hypocrites and liars. That's Jesus. Okay? I, I know you guys are okay with this, but there is an audience out there. So in the movie, Forrest Gump, 
these Berkeley revolutionaries are in Washington demonstrating against the war effort, saying love, peace. And you have this contradictory moment where the leader of these things sucker punches his girlfriend. Do you, do you remember that in the movie? I, I just love it because it is, it, is a, it is demonstrating the contradiction that just because you say you're for peace and love does not mean you know what it is or know how to get it. And herein is the problem. It's reflected in political philosophy. It's pro- pro- projected in uh, the, the superfluous, the superficial, uh, what do you call it, solutions that certain political figures are suggesting. How do we fix our nation? Well, we fix our nation not by coming in the middle of the supply line and saying, okay, we want this, but if you don't understand what, how, to, how to get that end because you don't know how it starts, then you're never going to get that end. Oh, we want prosperity. Well, great. But all of your solutions for getting prosperity don't work. Well, what we need to do is we need to find the people with the stuff and take it off them and give it to the people who don't have stuff. <laughs> That'll work once. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you have to realize, you have to realize that what's going on in our world is a war of philosophical ideas, and they all come down to your understanding of supply chain. Supply chain. And if you don't go back far enough in the supply chain, you can never get the result it is you're looking for. So if you don't understand what makes for love, what makes for peace, then you can never have it no matter how much you demonstrate and wave banners about it. And that's what Jesus is saying to, to, to the Jews. You're sitting here talking about a Messiah, talking about a kingdom, talking about the kingdom of God. It's right here in front of you, but because you don't know what it is you're trying to produce, you can't see the solution. That's the same story over and over and over again. That's why when we talk about politics, often, you know, we want the same results, except those that have a superficial knowledge of how to get those results tend to suggest solutions that are not workable. Let me give you an example. We are doing an event this coming week in Calgary, the fourth Alberta linked. It's, it's going to be great, but we are absolutely totally sold out. We are, we are oversold. We, we, we have a building that can fit a max of 500 people. We are over 500. And uh, still, of course, we're getting, we're getting emails. We're getting requests. We're getting urgent demands. We're getting, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, persuasive <laughs> calls and whatnot. And one, one such call, again, it, it's innocent enough, but it just reveals things. The person, when they were told that they cannot register because we're full, admonished us to get a larger building. That's the solution. We'll just get a larger building. <laughs> you think, well, that makes sense. Except yeah, you can't do that on a whim. You, you can't, you can't set, when you have things in motion, that is not a solution. You can only suggest that as a, as a solution if you've never put on an event. If you don't know what it takes to bring an event together, in terms of communication, money, and advance uh, arrangements, then you suggest these novel things that we never thought of. <laughs> well, if you just get a bigger building, 
then I could come. Now, I mean, that's, that's a funny little thing, but, but we do that in increasingly complex ways. And when, when, when the system, when our economy is based on tens of thousands of layers of supply, demand, and fabrication, everything else, the solutions that some people suggest are just asinine. Well, we don't have enough chips. Well, let's make more. You know, right? Well, there's the car prices are going up because we don't have enough of a certain kind. Well, let's make more. Okay, well, I don't want to explain this to you, but here, just here's a shot. The, the, the fabrication facility to make such a chip is going to be, take three years to produce. Okay, so if you want extra chips for your car, for, your, for a new vehicle tomorrow, it's not going to happen. These, these systems are very complex. But when you don't understand them, you make pithy, superficial, empty-headed logistical suggestions. You know what? Our church should be better. Yes, yes. <laughs> Amen. We have a supply problem, though. We need a certain quality of person. And to do that, we're going to have to exclude you. <laughs> but we're going to bear with you in the hopes that down the line somewhere, we're going to get that quality so that the church could be better. See, all kinds of great suggestions of what we should do to improve things. Not workable. So, family suddenly finds itself uh, in a famine and uh, somebody wants food. Somebody wants bread in the house. And so they say to the mom and dad, I want bread. And the, uh, the mom and the dad says, well, there's, there's no bread available. To which we say, well, just go to the store. The problem is you don't understand supply chain. Let's, let's, let's take this. Let's just think about the complexity of this supply chain and how many layers there are. So, first of all, if you're actually going to, you need bread, you want to get bread, what does it take to get bread? Money. All right? First, first problem, do you have the money? Oh, I have the money. Okay. Can you get to the store? Transportation. Uh, you may or may you not get to the store. I don't know. Is there a store to get to? You always think, well, we're, of course there's a store. Just go to Cobbs. Well, we say that because we've never been without. We went to Sudan a few years ago, and I suddenly, I mean, you want to talk about austerity. You want to talk about a lack of supply chain. There was nothing there except people, tens of thousands of people in a desert wasteland. Well, how do they live? Barely. How are they fed? There's not a store within 60, 50, 100 miles. There's no water. There's no wells. There's, I mean, they're scrounging. We dug a well to feed a, or supply a little town. But, I mean, seriously, you go for miles and miles and miles, and there's hundreds of little, little straw huts where people live. No infrastructure, no towns, no gas stations, no stores, no Costco. No McDonald's. So all of a sudden, the idea of supplying for this people, the, you know, the access to the things that, we, that are just down the street, just around the corner for us, are suddenly 
just not there. So to say, well, let's buy more bread is not an option, right? So assuming there is a store, a merchant, somebody, uh, where do they get the bread that you want to buy from? Well, then they also need money to buy that bread so that it's available for you to buy, which means there needs to be another layer of transportation so that the bread gets from wherever it's made to there. Uh, and uh, so between each level of supply, there's, there's, there's questions of money and transportation, right? So if given, let's say there is a store, the question is, is there a fabrication facility? Is there a place somewhere where the bread is being made? Well, let's say there is, and you have the money to pay them and the ability to get the bread from there. Do they have what it takes to make bread? Now, I was making a little list of what's necessary for bread, and you, as you could tell, I don't, I've never made bread. <laughs> but grain or flour is necessary. And grain, of course, is a raw material that does not translate to the flour by itself, there's a whole process. You've got to grind it. In other words, you've got to have, so that has to happen. It's going to take time. You have to have somebody to do it. I mean, again, it's like, let's get some more. Let's just get more of that. See, this is the kind of thing when, we, when we're unsatisfied with the world around us and we say, well, this church should be more loving. They just need to be more loving. Yes, they do. But where do we get that stuff? How would he produce it? And the, the presumption is that because I want it, I therefore can get it. Because I want it, because I know that it's available, that I, because I know that it's, it exists, that, that makes it a finished thing. So grain, sugar, water, yeast, all right, well, if those things are available, okay, you've, you can start on the way to getting a loaf of bread, but what if they're not available? Well, let's get some. Well, let's get some grain. Well, we need fertile land. <laughs> we need a, a climate that's suitable for this to happen. And again, at every juncture, all along this supply line, there's if, 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 if. And if, if we've never been without these things, we presumptuously believe they are always going to be available. Now, I was in Peru a couple of years ago. I'm in a city, I can't remember the name of the main city there, Lima. It is a desert wasteland. I mean, isn't, isn't Peru full of jungle? Yes, just not there. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's like volcanic stone and dust everywhere. They just don't get rain. Ever, they just don't ever get rain. You, anybody been to Africa? You ever been to Africa? It's like, well, they should have cities like we have. They should have infrastructure. They, they should have, you know, they have the resources. Well, yes and no. If you get 30 years of famine... Uh, in, in a, on a continent twice the size of North America where the center of the continent has not, doesn't see rain hardly at all, like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the water that you get, chances are all the things that would invigorate, ignite a supply chain for product is non-existent. Now I'm looking at that as I'm flying back into Denver here this last week and I'm thinking, 
I'm thinking we are so presumptuous because we've always had rain. We've always had rain. I mean, Canada has more fresh water, I think, than any other nation in the world by far. We think, well, you know, just uh, let's just do this. Yeah, but you can only say let's do this because you assume the, the, the raw materials to start that process are, exist and are available. What if suddenly they weren't there? I mean, you've seen what a dry summer does to us here. What would three dry summers look like where there's not just a little bit of rain, where there's no rain? Can you imagine what three years of absolutely no rain would look like? Wobbamum, gone. Slave Lake, gone. Every lake within reach of the city of Edmonton, the river that that causes us to have water to drink that comes through our city, virtually gone, a dry creek bed. What are we talking about? There is a supply line. There is a supply chain, and it has God at the mouth of it. God, our Father, who is deserving of the credit, of the honor, of the blessing, of the recognition. He has established this supply line that makes him at the mouth of the the river of supply almost unseeable, almost unrecognizable to the proud. But to those that believe, to those that shout and sing his praise on a morning like today, we, we are actually responsible for opening that supply line because if anybody along there starts to take credit for that supply, then usually what happens is the person next up the line decides, well, what if I don't give you my part? Oh, look what I did. Well, you didn't do that. These 10 people before you made that possible. No, no, it was just me. Okay, we'll just remove the 10 and leave you alone for a little while and see what you realize about supply chains. God is trying to bless this land. God is trying to bless Alberta. God is trying to bless Canada, and he will. But it's not gonna happen because of the sophisticants. That's the right word. In universities, projecting what's needed for the supply line. It's going to come because there is a God who opens his hand and satisfies the need of every living thing. It's going to happen because even the ability to know light from darkness comes from him. As we have seen the loss of proverbial common sense in the land, we start to realize that what we took for granted, what was understandable, what was measurable, what was obvious before is now not obvious. As people in the midst of a famine are saying, well, just go to the store and buy more bread. We want peace, we want love, not war. Except you are the source of war. The heart of man is the source of war. You could say you want peace all along, but if you don't have the source of peace, you have nothing. Now, why is this important for us here today at Community Church? Yeah, I mean, it's a, there's, a, there's obviously a colossal truth. There is this divine chain of supply but what does that mean for us here? Because here's what I've done. I've talked about, you know, I've referenced God. 
I've referenced the idea that God is the source, but here's the question for us. We have a supply chain in the church. We have evangelism. We have acts of service. We have feeding the poor ministries. We have helps ministries of all kinds. I mean, I'm not talking about just our, our assembly, but the whole church in general. We've got worship. We've got, we've got all of these things that is presumably make up uh, what we are as a people. But to get this, you have to have a supply chain. There are some people who do counseling. Some people who shovel sidewalks. There's some people who work and give their money. There's some people who man the, you know, the coffee bar out there. There are people in the prayer room. And all of these things, the, all of these things together cause what we have here to happen. But most importantly, most importantly, there's another critical link in the supply chain. The most important link in the supply chain is what we do this morning when we worship. I, I know that there are people who come in and purposely come in late because, well, it's, worship's too long here. You know, and, you know, why do we sing that song this many times, et cetera, et cetera, you know what I mean? I mean, there's all kinds of complaints, all kinds of ideas of how we could make it better. Do you know what made the worship this morning great? It wasn't the music. It wasn't Ben. Ben's great. I love Ben. The keyboards, they're great. The cello, I love the cello. Love the singers. Oh, wonderful. None of those things makes this attractive. It's the life of God behind everything else. The life of God. This morning when we began to worship, the life of God was electric in the room. And it infiltrated. It filled all of the sounds. It filled all of the words with meaning and breathed the meaning of those words into our hearts. The point is you can have all the trappings of church and still have nothing. So what is it that causes us to have something of significance? It is the ability to see the supply chain of God, that it doesn't end with the right songs. It doesn't end with skillful musicians. It doesn't end with a great message from the pastor. It doesn't end, I mean, it may end with those things, but it doesn't begin. It begins with a faith connection. No, it's you. You are you are the source. You are the life. Everything in my being gives you an glory, gives you acknowledgement because I want to draw on the most essential substance for everything else in this supply chain, which is you. Now, if you, if you have been in church, if you have been in church and you're in a church and things are not going well, there's problems in relationships. The music sucks. There's dead atmosphere. You know, chances are you'll probably come up with superficial ideas of how to fix the problem. Well, you guys should just be more loving. Well, you, you, know, you need to be more friendly. Sing a better song. Don't, don't sing as long. More comfortable chairs, maybe snacks halfway through the service. <laughs> I started out by sharing this scripture. Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good 
And every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God has a kingdom supply line. And if we don't understand it, we'll grab some seemingly significant link along the way. We'll exalt that one link. We'll say, this is the most important link. And you know what? Nothing wrong with you being called to a particular link. We need to be somewhere stationed along that supply line where we're delivering the commodities of the kingdom of heaven. But as soon as we find ourselves taking credit for things we did not do, we will find ourselves an isolated link. Either as a church body, you see, we're, we're not here supplying everything that God needs for Alberta or Spruce Grove or Canada. We are one little piece of a great supply chain that is diverse and wonderful. We may have a particular link that focuses on Worship that focuses on the supernatural because we're realizing, no, the wind that makes everything go starts right there. And that's an important thing. It's just not the only thing. There's a revelation that gives a different appreciation for people, for different gifts, for different parts of the body, for different streams, for different manifestations that's necessary and if we could grab that I, I, I saw it this morning if we could really see God's supply chain and honor and bless the full panorama of what he has provided beginning with him the life we felt the atmosphere that came in this morning would be a shadow compared to what we could have and that's the direction we're going. But it begins with an acknowledgement that I am just a part. And I am doing my part. And it's fueling something greater than I. But I will never take credit for the whole. Now, I want to share you, with you one little story. When we were in Guatemala, when we were in Guatemala, I started to realize that there are parts of the delivery system of the kingdom of God in terms of our gifts, in terms of anointings that we carry. And, and there was a time when I was deeply enamored with my part. I, you know, there was a time when the most significant part of anything was the part that I played. And we're like that. You know, we, 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 we do that. But eventually, God starts to broaden our view of what's available so somebody was asking me, okay, how was the trip to Guatemala? And I, I was thinking, oh, it, it was good. But I started thinking, well, what, is it, what was the best part? Yeah, the beach was good. The weather was good. My root canal and, and, and uh, crown was good. I did get a root canal and crown. <laughs> uh, very cheap. But there was something else, you see, and, and this defines why I'm here. 
and what I'm called to do as a part of this body. This church is a gate church. This church, in God's supply line, this church is postured at the gate of heaven to be a significant opener to access things that are invisible. And so I did a number of meetings, uh, and some meetings, you can just do what you know to do. There are things I know to do. I can teach. I can speak. But you know what I really love? I really love when things happen that are beyond the scope of my abilities. And I want to throw this out because whatever it is we think we're doing well, there's something we need to reach for that's beyond us as a church. We need to be faithfully doing the things that we're called to do, but it is unto something else. And I want to, I want to hint at or point towards that something else for a second. So in the meeting, I began to speak, in this one particular meeting, I began to speak on John G. Lake. And it was an angelic visitation that John G. Lake had. If you don't know who John G. Lake, he was an apostle from South Africa, or from the U.S. that went to South Africa. Signs and wonders and miracles, angelic visitation, amazing ministry. But at one point, he was kind of frustrated and disillusioned at the church. And he was, he was seeking God and saying, God, God, what, how do we get, how do we really, what do, what do we do to get the outpouring of your spirit in the people? How do we get the church to respond? And the angel of God came to him. And there was a whole interaction, but this is the part I want to focus on. And he opened his Bible, and he pointed to Acts chapter 2. He pointed to Acts chapter 2, and he said, he said, seek this. And he pointed to the Pentecost at Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit came down. He pointed to that, and it says, seek this. Look for this. Pray for this. Contend for this. This alone will meet the need of the heart of man. So I'm speaking about this. And as a, after I was done, and it was, it was a great service, Kim got up and said, said, while we were in the meeting, I had an open vision. You know what an open vision is? An open vision is where you suddenly see things as though you were there, but your eyes are open. And the things that are in the room are gone. He said, I, I had an open vision, and he began to tell about the open vision. But that's not, I, the details of it are great, but, but here's the thing. He said to me afterwards, he said, you know, I haven't had an open vision in five years. And a couple months ago, I was started to ask the Lord, God, what's wrong? Well, like, how come I'm not having these events like what, what what do I need to do? Like, and so he's seeking God for this. And all of a sudden, during that service, he has an open vision. Now, why is that great? Because that's not something I can do. I, 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 want to, I don't want to just speak messages that are articulated correctly or, or you know, reveal a certain nuance of the kingdom of heaven that causes people to say, hmm, that's really interesting. I want heaven to come down. I want invisible doors to open up. I want angels to ascend and descend. I want the fire of the Holy Ghost to come on people whose lives are broken, who, you know, a little sermonette is not going to help them. Me saying, you know, you need to be more nice. There's brokenness in our land that cannot be solved with pithy little Christian proverbs. 
We need that. We need that outpouring. That's what this church is here for. We are not here to just have a better version of what's in the supply chain up from us. We are here to touch the gate of heaven. We are here to open up realms that the, that the, the earth has never seen. That's why we do what we do. That's why we worship. That's why I'm unrelenting in my call to say, when I say, seek God, and you're annoyed by that, you say, well, I, I do want God. No, no, no. Desperately yearn for him. Well, how do you do that? Every good and perfect gift. What we really need is not better worship, better preaching, better people in the pews next to us. What we need is the outpouring of God's spirit. What we need is the veil between heaven and earth to be rent. What we need is to see the supply chain that originates with him so that while we can appreciate every link along the way, our deep yearning is for that bridge from the supernatural to the natural that only the desperate ever get to see or taste. I don't want an improved church. I don't want an improved life. I don't want just another, I mean, yes, I want more character, but there's something beyond that that we're reaching for, transformation. And you may be sitting here and maybe your greatest goal is I just want to be able to fit in. I just want to be able to come to a church and not feel awkward or weird. I don't want to, I just want to be free from the fear of looking somebody in the eye that causes me to skip out as soon as the end of the service is over. You know, we might have these things that we want, but what we really need is something else. Transformation, encounter. And that's what we're set on. God's supply chain. Just lean into him for a minute. Father, I don't even know how to conclude this. I just, uh, I just feel like God is offering us things. God, God, we just pray, Father, that you would give us, Lord, what we need to seek you more. You know, Mark hasn't made a big deal about the fact that each, each segment of the supply chain, though, is required in order to get a final product, right? So the guy who's running the bulldozer, scooping up the, the sand that's going to turn into the silicon that's going to make the chips, that's going to eventually be in your, in your Audi, does he realize when he's doing that thing that there's no Audis if he doesn't do his job in the bulldozer picking up the sand? And our job at the gate, we're early in the supply chain. And there are many things that are to happen in this county that can't happen if we actually don't do the piece that we're supposed to do that opens the gate that allows the others. So is it more important? No, any piece in that link breaks the chain and it stops. But our piece is incredibly important. There are many other bodies within, many other cells in the body, if you will, within Parkland County and within the greater Edmonton area and in northern Alberta and in Alberta in general. They can't do what they're called to do if we're not opening a way. Um, and I've had a friend who um, 
has mentioned to me a number of times some really cool things that have happened in their church. And he said to me, and I don't believe that this can happen if you guys don't do what you do on Wednesday night. And that's a guy who doesn't come here on Wednesday nights. Uh, and he hadn't ever come here on Wednesday nights. So this is a revelation that he had in regards to the, the really interesting, cool things happening in their church, which is, by the way, exploding at this point in time, just has done extremely well because they've, they've reached out during this period of time. And so, so again, just, just to say thank you to you and your faithfulness and to encourage us all that even though you may not see the Audi at the end of the thing, because it just feels like I'm driving this bulldozer all the time. The reality is it is a critical piece to get to that end and lots of other things. Everything, in fact, that uses computer chips is based on that guy driving the dozer at the end of the day. Does it make sense? Well, we're going to close here in a minute. You know, someone shared a statement with me last week. They said, experiences leave good memories. Transformation leaves life change. And that's what we're fighting for is we want transformation, not just good memories, right? We want to see communities shifted and changed. That's what we want, right? Amen. Bless you. Go and talk to one another.